Philly, you are so wonderful and interesting. You deserve a local news podcast all your own. Check out the John Cast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Matt Leon. Russia's invasion of Ukraine playing havoc with world energy prices, but the ripple effects on markets don't end there. Commodities like wheat also being affected significantly, and we wanted to find out more about the impact on agriculture, so we caught up with John Urbanchuk. He is an assistant professor in the Department of Agribusiness at Delaware Valley University in Doylestown. So to start, most of the talk when it comes to the ripple effects of this conflict is gasoline. But now you're starting to hear a lot of talk about wheat. And when we talk about wheat as a commodity, Ukraine and Russia, these are two places that grow a lot of wheat, correct? Yeah, they account for about 28 percent, a little less than 30 percent of total wheat exports from Ukraine and Russia together combined. How much of that comes into the U.S.? Virtually none. Uh, We don't import a lot of wheat. And uh, most of the wheat that we do import comes directly from Canada. So we're seeing wheat prices go crazy. Is this a effect of, yes, it doesn't come here, but we're in a global market? Yeah, that's it. Uh, wheat is a lot like, well, all the grains are a lot like oil. and We call them fungible. And that is that number two yellow corn or number one hard red, uh, ordinary protein, hard red winter wheat, whether it's produced here or Argentina, Canada, or in Ukraine, it's essentially the same product. Um, so it can be it can move around. As a consequence, we have global markets for those products. So what happens in an area such as Russia and Ukraine, as I said, they're, they're a little less than a 30 percent of total wheat exports is going to have an impact on uh, on the markets and push those prices up because people are uncertain about uh, continued supply of those products. That means that our prices for wheat are going to go up here as well. So we're talking higher prices, not shortages. That's correct. We're talking about higher prices at this point. There's no indication sitting here today of adverse impacts on production, on on trade, on movements. Yes. Keep in mind that that uh, most of the wheat that Russia and Ukraine produce goes into the Middle East, North Africa and to Bangladesh and those areas as well. All right. So where does that move from? That moves from the Black Sea ports and those Black Sea ports. Um, are being directly affected right now by the conflict. So we've got the distribution disruptions that that are affecting world markets. What are some other commodities? You know, you say wheat, and grain, corn, soybean. What should we expect on these other fronts uh, as a result? Or what are we seeing right now as a result of this conflict? Well, you're seeing all grain markets, really, and the oilseed markets, uh, um, being adversely affected and pushed up significantly as a consequence of the uh, of the conflict. Now, obviously, the wheat markets are, are most significantly impacted because um, uh, Russia and Ukraine are significant players in, in world trade for for wheat. Much less so in corn. Uh, the United States is the largest producer and the largest exporter of corn. Um, Ukraine has grown in importance as a corn producer and exporter, but they produce about one-tenth of what we grow here in the United States. Um, so, you know, you've got what, we, what we've seen in the U.S. is we've seen increased competition, particularly, again, in the European market and in some of the other 
areas of, of, of North Africa and, and Middle East from uh, exports from Ukraine. Um, but that hasn't had as negative an impact on corn markets as, as it has on wheat markets. On the oilseed side, these countries don't produce soybeans for the most part. Um, soybeans are the prim- primary producer of, of, of vegetable oil and, and oilseed meal that goes into poultry and, 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 and swine. Um, Ukraine is the largest producer and largest exporter of sunflower seeds, sunflower seed oil and meal. Most of that goes into the European community, and they use that for vegetable oil. That's roiled the markets as well. And then just sort of like the cherry on the top of everything, Brazil, and of course, their season's the reverse of ours, their southern hemisphere. So it's um, going to be winter pretty soon. So they're harvesting now, or they've just, just finished harvest. And they've had drought conditions, so their crop is a bit lower than it normally would be as well on soybeans. And, and, and as a consequence, uh, that's also helped put a little bit of pressure on those prices. So it's, it's corn, it's wheat, wheat primarily, corn to a lesser extent, and soybean complex are the big three with regard to that. Then the other thing you have to keep your, your eyes on is the livestock and poultry industry. Um, chickens and pigs in the United States until, and, and, and cattle as well, including dairy, eat corn for energy and they eat soybean meal for protein. And so that when those prices go up, then the price of the inputs goes up, and that's going to have a um, an impact of, of restraining growth in pork and poultry production as we move through the spring and into the summer. And you know, I have to be a little circumspect about timing here because I nobody knows how long this conflict is going to last, whether it's going to expand and have a much more significant negative impact on distribution. Um, so we just don't know. So as long as it continues, then you're going to have increased uncertainty in the markets, and that's going to push prices up dramatically. So we're talking about the output side here. The other thing to keep in mind is something as important as, as, as fertilizer. Russia accounts for about 9% of total nitrogen exports, about 10% of phosphates, and about 20% of potash. They're the major fertilizers that are used. Now, the United States is not a major importer of any of those things except potash, and 90% of what we get comes from Canada. But again, you're talking about world markets. So as the global markets are constrained by the inability of Russia or unwillingness of Russia to ship those products to Western Europe or to Brazil, then that pushes up those prices. And the most recent data that we have from USDA on prices paid indicate that January 2022 over January 2021, uh, prices are up about 70% for fertilizer. Now, that's January. Things have gotten a lot worse since then. So I suspect that that fertilizer prices on a year-over-year basis are, are at least double what the, they've increased, at, at least uh, 100%, so they're double what they were. And that puts farmers' profitability really under question. Now, a lot of farmers, particularly for corn um, and soybeans, and soybeans don't use much nitrogen at all because they produce nitrogen, but for corn particularly, pretty much have their fertilizer in hand. So they've been paying for this stuff as prices have gone up. What's likely to happen, though, when you combine those high prices of product with high energy prices, diesel prices particularly, that may constrain applications of those products, and that could have a negative impact on yields. So we may not get as much yield as we would have prior to this. The, the real 
most interesting report to keep your eyes on uh, will come out in, in about two or so weeks. That's the end of the month. USDA is out in the field now doing a, their first planting intentions survey. They're going out and asking farmers, what do you intend to plant and how much? So it'll be interesting to see how much corn, soybeans, wheat, cotton, rice, and so forth farmers are going say they're going to spend now. Now, those anticipations were developed in the last several weeks. So they've been developed in, with higher prices in mind. Um, we'll get a chance to see as we go through the planting season what's actually planted. But it's, it's going to be an, an unsettled couple of months that we're going to go through uh, with regard to uh, how much is going to be planted, what production is going to be like, what yields are likely to be like. Um, it's, it's going to be a difficult period. Is there anything we haven't touched on that you're keeping an eye on that maybe, you know, isn't a primary concern, but a secondary tertiary concern as a result of this conflict? Yeah, it's not really a, a secondary or tertiary concern. It's really primary. And that is, we talk an awful lot about uh, prices of output, grains and, and livestock and that sort of thing, and the price of inputs such as fertilizer. But energy prices are really, really important. Let me just give you two numbers to keep in mind. Wheat, corn. The corn that we're talking about here, you and I don't eat on a plate with carrots and peas. This is the stuff that you eat in the form of a pork chop, a piece of chicken, a glass of milk, because it's fed through an animal. The wheat that we consume, we don't, not too many people go out there and, and buy wheat, okay? What they do is they buy flour or they buy a big good, a processed baked good. So when you're looking at something like um, white bread, for example, the farmer's share of a dollar spent on white bread is only four cents. That means 96 cents of that dollar is taken up by the processor, distributor, the retailer. Okay, and that's where the energy costs come into play in a major, major way. Energy in terms of transportation costs, energy in terms of processing costs, all those factors have a really significant impact. Uh, if you're looking at something like flour, only 19 cents of that dollar goes to the farmer. So the farm share really is relatively low. Those commodity prices are magnified significantly as they move through the processing and distribution channels. And that's where energy prices come, in, come into play in a, in, in a major way. Um, back when we had the, uh, uh, the energy price um, spike in 2008, when oil prices went right through the roof, actually higher than they are now. Not much, but a little bit higher than they are now. Um, I did some work looking at the impact of energy costs on food prices, and it's much more significant than most people give it credit for. So, you know, people go to the grocery store and they look at the price of something and they say, those farmers, they're gouging. It isn't the farmer that's that's really the, the, the problem here. It's everybody from the farm gate to the retailer, that entire processing and distribution channel. And that's something I'd like people to keep in mind as they as they as they view this. It's, it is a very complex system and it's one has a lot of moving parts to it. And it's easy to, to point and, and, and blame any particular sector. We've been two years through a pandemic. I know the federal government has done a lot to really help farmers who got hammered, uh, especially in the early days of the pandemic. But now you're putting this conflict on top of that, and you talk about fertilizer prices, you talk about fuel prices, different challenges, but this just really adds to the burden of being a farmer in America right now, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It puts everything right on top of what's preceded this. Now, we're 
two years into the pandemic. Maybe it's an endemic now. But the point of the matter is that the biggest impacts that affected production agriculture and affected the consumer were not necessarily from the production side. They were from the supply and distribution side, from the distribution channels that we talked about, those supply chains, okay? The inability to get inputs in and the ability inability to get outputs distributed. And that forced prices up across the board. Now what we've got is we've got concerns with regard to the to the to the prices of the raw materials, the ingredients, the grains, the oil seeds, the oil seed meal that reflect themselves in meat and poultry prices. And that's a little different, not only from the cause of the problem, and that is the uncertainty created by conflict and the prominence, particularly for wheat, of, of those countries as suppliers, um, but um, I, you've got some, all those concerns have just dumped on top of everything else. So as things would have improved a little bit, now they're getting worse. And with regards to the commodity markets, is this something that we won't see a steadiness until this invasion conflict is over? Or do you think the markets will be able to find their footing uh, and things will settle down a little bit uh, just within a couple weeks, just because markets adjust. Well, do markets do adjust over time, but I don't see any short-term relief in commodity prices as long as the conflict continues to be unresolved. And I say unresolved one way or the other until we have an idea of whether it's going to continue, get worse, or it's going to go away or whatever. Until that uncertainty is removed from the markets, you're going to see increased volatility, which means you're going to be up one day and down the next day and up again and down again. Uh, but you'll still see pressure on prices until these supply issues get get resolved. Um, so I don't I don't see any real short term relief uh, in prices until we see some resolution to the uncertainty and the risk on the longer term side. Um, you know, there's an old saying in economics you've heard before, and that is the the uh, 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 the solution to high prices is high prices, and that is that particularly for wheat. Uh, when when you look at, uh, at at what we planted this year, and I went back and I looked at that at 2010 versus today, an 11 year period of time, uh, we've lost almost six million acres of land taken out of wheat. Uh, and uh, some of that went into corn, but most of it went into soybeans and other crops. So we have the ability to produce more wheat. And these high prices may signal farmers, the, uh, the, the, the give them the, the signal that maybe this is the time to produce more wheat and fill in some of those gaps that, uh, that are left by uh, rushing Ukraine and the world markets. And we're not the only ones. I mean, look at Canada, Australia, other major wheat producers, European Union. I think people, those high prices are going to provide... Um, an incentive for farmers to look at a way to to increase their output. And specifically with the fertilizer, because that sounds like something that the one thing that we really take a lot from from this area. Could we see our buying adjust permanently like we find other areas or would that be difficult just given the the supply that's available? Probably difficult. We don't. um, We right now we produce about 85 percent of all the nitrogen that we use. Now, again, nitrogen um, is produced from ammonia, which is produced from natural gas. So high natural gas prices force up the price of nitrogen. 
Um, there are things that farmers can do that can um, reduce the amount of uh, artificial, not or, um, I don't mean artificial, but uh, uh, manufactured nitrogen. They can use more natural sources of nitrogen. Uh, they can use technology to better apply and more precisely apply and make their nitrogen go further. Uh, but we're not a big importer of nitrogen. Um, and again, the, the, the nat natural gas is the, the primary uh, source of that. And when we look at, at things like phosphate and phosphate rock, we produce about 90% of everything that we use. Um, in terms of potash, we import about 90% of our potash, but that comes from Saskatchewan in Canada. Um, so the, that, that, you know, to the extent that that, uh, that would go someplace else, that may create a, a, an issue. Um, but, you know, that's a, the market that really, as I said, is global in nature. So as those prices get forced up, our prices go up along with them. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.